Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good morning, everyone. My name is Hector. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the pastors here at The Rock. It's so good to have you here worshiping with us this morning. There's a lot of buzz in the air here and around town as we get ramped up for the new school year. Along those lines, I want to say a big, big welcome to UF and Santa Fe College students. Yes, welcome back or welcome for your first weekend ever here in Gainesville. It's awesome to have you here worshiping with us. Well, as a church, we have been in a summer series. We are in week five of a seven-week, seven-speaker, summertime sermon series. A little tongue twister there. But we have been having a lot of fun showcasing principles in God's Word through uh, a variety of summer camp activities. And they have been great messages, and some of them have been somewhat emotional. Yes, if you've been here, you've seen some of our guys cry and boo-hoo, and it's been precious. But um, great messages, great time together, and kind of like the, the joke is a little bit on me too, because um, how many of you know that the Bible says that the mind of man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps, right? So while I was praying and brainstorming for my part in this sermon series, I was totally thinking one thing, and here we are on something completely different, like another thing, fitness, And if you know anything about me, I don't know anything about physical fitness. (laughs) Like nothing. Like truly, the only thing that's shredded about me is the cheese that I sprinkle on my soft tacos. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Que rico. Right? Right? So, but thankfully, God has something to say to us through his word. Amen? All right, spiritual fitness. You see what we did there? Clever, 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 clever. Spiritual fitness is a concept that you find all throughout the Bible. Oftentimes, it's referred to as spiritual maturity or godliness. And godliness is so important. So important. It is a precious principle that is not only needed desperately in our world today, it is powerful. So we're going to look at that today, but before we jump in, let me pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We thank you that you're here. We pray that you would speak forth your word and that we would hear exactly what you want us to hear. Anoint me now as I deliver this message that we've prepared together. Be glorified in it and through it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, how many of you have ever heard of Matt Fraser? Yes. Yes. Matt Fraser is an American professional CrossFit athlete known for winning the 2016, the 2017, the 2018, and the 2019 CrossFit Games 
after taking second place at the 2014 and 2015 CrossFit Games. After a strong performance in 2014 and the retirement of four-time defending champion Rich Fronin Jr., he was a favorite to win in 2015, but was edged out in the final event by Ben Smith. The following year, 2016, Fraser took first place by a commanding margin. Fraser is now the second person to win four consecutive CrossFit Games through which you are given the title fittest on earth. Is that pretty cool? That's pretty cool. How about Simone Biles at only four foot eight? Well, you didn't really have to laugh that hard. At only four foot eight, competitive gymnast Simone Biles has won five, count them, five Olympic medals. Four, all, four world all-around championships, four world floor exercise championships, and the list goes on and on. She's an absolute powerhouse that executes difficult gymnastic skills at a very high level. It all began as a dream that Simone was willingly to relentlessly pursue with the support of her family. Incredible. And how about Michael Phelps? Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps is a competitive swimmer who has won 28 Olympic medals, making him the most decorated Olympian of all time. Since he was a child, he, was, he dreamed of being the greatest athlete in the sport of swimming and was willing to train harder and sacrifice more than his competition in order to succeed. All of these athletes are totally fit. We would all agree with that, right? But what I want you to also see and capture is that their lives speak. Their lives speak of Desire, dedication, commitment, will, sacrifice, discipline, and so much more. And truth be told, everything speaks. Your life speaks. My life speaks. We're not Olympians, but our lives are saying something to those who are around us, just like these athletes' lives are saying something to those who are around them. And I would also add that that which speaks the loudest, that which speaks the most, is the content of people's character. Truly, it's their godliness or the lack thereof that speaks the loudest. In 1 Timothy, we can learn a lot about how our lives can speak. Timothy is a disciple and spiritual son of the Apostle Paul, and Paul has sent Timothy this letter to help him address some issues that have uh, uh, arisen in the church at Ephesus because of some false teachers. But it's not until 1 Timothy chapter 4 where Paul gets laser-focused on how Timothy's own life just like yours and mine, can and should speak. So let's read 
1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6 through 16. If you have a Bible, turn there, or you can uh, follow along on the YouVersion Bible app. All right, 1 Timothy 4, verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers so rich in my head I heard Paul say it this way hey Timothy let your life all your words and all your deeds speak to the glory of God and the joy of all people train yourself to be godly pursue it Build it one day at a time, one decision at a time. Commit to it. Be godly for you and for them. Trust me, it's good. So before we draw out, before we get to some practical things, I want to draw out from this text some things that godliness is. So if you're taking note, write this down. Godliness is good. Godliness is good. In verse 6, we read, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Godliness is good. Period. It's not weird. It's not religious. It's not restrictive. On the contrary, it's full of freedom. You see, Paul didn't say, hey, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a religious servant of Christ Jesus. No, he didn't say that. He said you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. 
The Holy Spirit defined godliness as good. You have to know who's writing your definitions. I'll tell you this. I feel much better letting the God of heaven and earth define things in my life more than anything else, including me. You have to know who's writing your definitions. Because when we drift away from what God says, that's where we get in trouble. When we let society or culture or peer pressure, when we let those things define things for us, that's where we can get into trouble. We are to embrace, we are to embrace what the God of the universe has spoken, defined, and established. Because that is good. You have to settle that in your heart. Godliness is good. It's vitally important, especially for you college students. Get ready. There's lots and lots of definitions coming at you. Choose God's. Second thing, godliness is, godliness is also valuable. In verse 7, we read, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. Tell your neighbor, in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Bodily training, yes, that's good. That's a must. That's definite. That's needed. Let's be clear about that because our bodies are a temple of the indwelling Holy Spirit. So bodily training is of some value. But comparatively speaking, godly training, that'll benefit you in every way. In every way. Both here and now and in the life to come. In other words, Godliness is not just the goal of the Christian life. Now, don't miss this. Godliness is not just the goal of the Christian life. I'm going to work so hard for Jesus all the way until I get to that point over there, hopefully, eventually. Because when I get there, I'll be godly and I'll be useful, and I'll be connected to them. No, 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 no. Godliness is about his presence. The very presence of God dwelling in you and walking with you. I like to say it this way. Godliness is not the prize. It's about the presence. Because the presence is the prize. Come on. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is present in your daily godly choices. He is your daily reward. Therefore, therefore, godliness is the basis for Christian ministry. 
if I preached like a boss up here and y'all were shouting me down and amening me and shouting out come on little Latino preacher preach it <laughs> right if you guys were doing all of that but then I was a dog off this platform ineffective ministry ineffective ministry see because godliness is not just the product of effective ministry it's the means of effective ministry that's why that's why hypocrisy puts such a bad taste in all of our mouths nobody likes that see God is pursuing our hearts in order to reveal more of Jesus to us the good news of Jesus Christ is that he is the truth that leads to life it's about believing the gospel and being changed by the gospel because godliness makes the good news of Jesus believable. I'll say that again. Godliness makes the good news about Jesus believable. So hear me. Personal godliness, excuse me, personal godliness is an important part of the strategy of making the gospel alive in you and known through you. Amen? And one more thing. Godliness is needed. And wow, how desperately it's needed right now in communities all across our nation. In verse 15 and 16, we read, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Godliness releases so much power in our lives. It releases power through our lives to other people. See, godliness will save you and keep you. There are a lot of pitfalls out there. And at the same time, godliness can shine and serve and save and inspire your hearers. Godliness can do that. It's possible. Our responsibility is to believe it and walk in it. Because without those things, your life speaks empty words of the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, I don't want to do that. Worse yet, it can actually speak in favor of the other kingdom. No, thank you. I don't want to be a part of that sales team. I mean, could you imagine those sales team meetings? Hey, um, didn't Satan say be here at 6 a.m. sharp? Yep, and he lied again. <laughs> Not for me. So we've established the worthiness and merit of godliness. So my prayer is that you are inspired to godliness. But now, here is our key question. How do I become spiritually fit? Or in other words, godly. 
For that, let's take a look at the parable of three servants or the parable of talents, depending on your preferred version of the Bible, found in Matthew chapter 25. But before I get there, I wanted to tell you that I recently returned from Birmingham, Alabama, where members of our team uh, attended the GROW conference up at Church of the Highlands with Pastor Chris Hodges. They are an absolutely massive church doing incredible things in the name of Jesus. And it was a conference that was especially designed for church leaders. Aren't you glad that you have church leaders who are willing to invest themselves in growing and learning and getting better as church leaders? Come on. Yep. See, I for one am incredibly grateful because shepherding the spiritual health and well-being of a people is no small thing. Some of you are crazy. And that's okay because I was once crazy too. Amen? But I am so thankful to co-labor with this amazing and talented leadership team led by our very own pastors, George and Suzanne, who have been imparting and instilling in us so many things for 32 years. Come on, you can do better than that. We love you guys so much. Thank you. It is a priority for them to impart and to instill in us a love for God and a love for you, the people of this church family. But this conference was a great reminder and a great challenge and encouragement for me personally to know and walk in what I have been created for. They gave away these uh, t-shirts that said, I was born for this. And I almost wore it today, but my wife said I look cute in my outfit, so we're going to go with that. (laughs) But the shirt said I was born for this. And it reminded me once again that I was born to lead and to lead with zeal, to preach the good news of Jesus to you, to teach you and equip you to do the work of the ministry in your realm of influence in honor, of, in honor and love of God and in honor and love of you alongside this great, great team. That's, there's something remarkably different about owning that reality. Not boastfully, but confidently in who God is and confident in him pouring out the grace that I need to walk in it. Something totally different. I was inspired to be even more godly, to think as he thinks, to see as he sees, to talk as he talks, to feel as he feels. It was so moving for me personally to own the call of life, excuse me, the call of God on my life to that degree. And you know what else? You're called to own the call of God on your life too. Listen to me. It is fundamentally important for the success of us fulfilling the purposes and plans of God for us to own our call. Everyone say success. 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 
God has called us and helps us to succeed in all that he has for us. Let's find out more right here in Matthew 25. The parable of three servants. I'll say this outright, success matters, but not in the way that the world defines success. The definition of success in the kingdom of God is totally different. I actually would say that God would define success this way. Success is using what God has given you to become the best you can be to the glory of God and the joy of others. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14, Jesus is having a long conversation with all of his disciples and he shares this parable with them. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his long trip. So far, we see a master going away on a long journey. Hmm, I wonder what other master has come and gone on a long journey and will one day return again. But before he departs, he gives them his money or talents to these three servants, each in proportion to their ability. To one he gives five, to the other he gives two, and to the third he gives one. And here is a key takeaway. It does not matter how many talents each one has received. What matters, and if you're taking note, here's our list for godly success. Point number one, what matters is that we recognize God gives everyone talent and opportunity. Recognize that God gives ta everyone talent and opportunity. So right out of the gate, comparison, it's out the window. You can't go there. Is everyone valuable? Yes, we all got something. So you see, as entrusted servants, as entrusted children of God, God gives us everything, and I mean everything, to succeed in his mandate for our lives. I don't know about you, but that's awesome. God has set us up for success, and seeing that is the first step. When we sit back and we ask ourselves, how can we become godly? We must first see that God has set us up to succeed by giving us his grace, his wisdom, his guidance, his very presence, an example, giftings, talents, and even opportunities. Look how invested God is in your success. He's all over. So how do we become godly? Know that God gave you all that you need to succeed. Believe that first. Own it. See, success in the kingdom is very different from the world. The world loves a rags to riches story, which basically says, I was nothing, and then I worked really, really hard, and then I got everything. In the world, there could be a lot of credit taking there. And oftentimes, it's a sad portrayal of someone who has spent their entire lives 
trying to prove that they are not nothing simply because they came from nothing. Success does not mean that we matter in the world. I'll say that again. Success does not mean that we matter in the world. Why? Because we've always mattered. We've always mattered. We're God's children. God doesn't give talents and opportunities to people who don't matter to him. He trusts us. He believes in us. He's invested in us. We matter before we even get started. Jesus, the baptism of Jesus perfectly exemplified this. Before his earthly ministry began, Jesus went to go get baptized. He got dunked by John the baptizer. The skies open up. The Holy Spirit descends on Jesus in the form of a dove. And then the entire crowd audibly hear the voice of God the Father that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Wait, what? Well pleased? You haven't done anything. What are you talking about? God doesn't define success the way the world defines success. See, God valued Jesus for who he was, his son. Jesus didn't have to prove anything, and neither do we. We matter. We matter. And not only that, we're equipped to succeed through talent and opportunity to show forth godliness that can transform the world around us. Amen? Number two, for godly success, respond with pursuit of godly growth and impact. The parable continues in verse 16, saying, the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. When the master returns, we see a clear picture that God not only gives us what we need to succeed, but it's expected. Say expected. It's expected that we use what God has given us for growth. He wants a return. He's an investor. Nobody invests for no return, right? The situation with the servant who dug the money in the hole is a clear illustration of what can stop godly growth and impact, and that's self-interest. See, the two that grew their money, they were celebrated and they were given more. The one servant who hid the money, he didn't do it because he wanted to stay safe. He wanted to stay comfortable. He didn't want to take any risks. He was pursuing his own self-interest, not the interests of the master. See, God celebrates when we pursue his interests because listen to this because he knows that when you do you become the best that you can be you hear that the best that you can be 
It's literally all connected. Your growth, the advancement of God's kingdom, the fulfillment of your purpose, your, I mean, your fruitfulness, it's all connected. It's a beautiful thing to watch. Solomon did that when he pursued the interests of God by asking God for wisdom to lead God's people. And God celebrated him for that by giving him not only wisdom, but everything else that he didn't ask for. God celebrate. God celebrated them or him. And God wants you to grow. And that might mean letting some self-interests go. Interest in staying safe or comfortable or not taking risks. God wants to help you be the best you can be because he only sees you as the best that you can be. Isn't that loving? This is how God sees you, as the best that you can be. That's why he's so encouraging. That's why he's so invested. And last, for godly success, rejoice knowing your pursuit of godliness is for the praise of God and joy of all. We saw that back in 1 Timothy chapter 4. But let's see it again here because it's so important. In verses 19 through 23, it reads, After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master! You gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. See, pursuit of God's will, pursuit of godliness in our lives is different than the praise that we get from men when we serve our own self-interests. See, the praise of the master not only fills us with this unquenchable joy that connects down into every fiber of our being, tapping into the reasons as to why we are on this planet, but it produces growth and impact. Isn't that awesome? It produces fruitfulness. And because of it, God will pour out more because he can trust you with more. Whether God gave you five talents or two talents, the response is the same. Full of praise when you are faithful to do something with what God has given you. Full of praise. He says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I can trust you with more. Let's celebrate together. God loves to party. Anybody in here like to party? God likes to party. So, in conclusion, 
Like Paul encouraged Timothy through his letter, church, your family needs to see you progressing in godliness. Your neighbors and your co-workers need you to succeed in growing what God has given you. Students, your classmates, they need to be inspired by your spiritual fitness as you press into it. I won't pull any punches. So let me talk to believers here for just a second. Believers, your faith requires something of you. It does. Just like these servants who were given so much, there was an expectation. An expectation that when it was once realized, it actually benefited them and everybody around them. I heard apologist Ravi Zacharias once say, and I paraphrase, there is a link between God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. And when tension exists in that link, it is both glorious and beautiful. You see, God has called you to own your part, to walk in your part, to fulfill your part. God will always do his part. God is so heavily involved, so heavily invested, so full of love and grace and mercy that he'll actually help you do your part. That's our God. And when, when both are walking together, it just speaks of beauty. It speaks of beauty and glory that this world needs to see. So I wish I had time for this next part to say everyone's name before I read off the following statements, but I don't. So let me ask you to close your eyes. And before I read each of these statements, I want you to hear your name before I do so. I'll start by giving you what Paul gave Timothy, and then I'll throw in some other ones that I gathered together out of a time of prayer for you today. To be godly, insert your name here. To be godly, be an example in how you talk. To be godly, be an example in how you live. To be godly, be an example in how you love. Be an example in your faith. Be an example in your purity. Hey you, pray often. Husband, read the Bible consistently and with unrelenting belief. Daughter, worship deeply and unashamedly. 
Son, do life in godly community. And you there, serve the world around you in love. Basic, simple, godly, and yet so desperately needed. You can open your eyes. None of these serve self-interests. They serve the interests of the master who will celebrate you. And there is nothing better than that. There is no one who spends their entire life walking out the will and purpose of God and then turns around and says, boy, I regretted that. No one. No one ever. We are called to leave a legacy, to leave our mark in the name of Jesus in this world. It's who we're made to be. Successful, spiritually fit people who live godly lives to the glory of God Almighty and in loving service to all of his children who are all around us. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that we cannot even fully comprehend how loving and invested and caring you are about us. You love us deeply and thoroughly. And today we want to say thank you. Thank you that you constantly remind us that you are there, that you are for us, that your heart's desire is to help us, to fulfill what you knew before the dawn of time. Because you know that in our fulfillment of your purpose and plan and destiny for our lives, we step into who we were created to be. And so we honor you today that you've opened up our eyes and you've inspired our hearts to know that yet again today. You are loving and faithful and we worship you. Thank you for your encouragement through your word. And now while believers are praying, I do want to take an opportunity to speak to those of you who may not know God. Earlier I said that godliness is about the presence of God. And you may not know the presence of God. You might say that your life is absent of the presence of God. You might not even know what the presence of God feels like. And it's in moments just like this where that can change. My heart's desire is that you would know God because I'm convinced there is nothing better. Many of us would agree that there is nothing better than knowing and loving and serving Jesus. So if you're here today and you don't know God, let's draw a line in the sand and step into life and purpose. 
I would love the opportunity to introduce you to Jesus. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior, you will be saved. And there your story begins. If that's you with no one looking around, with believers praying under their breath because they are so for you. They're cheering you on. They're rooting for you. They want you to experience the life that they know, the life that can be found in Jesus. If that's you, allow me to introduce you. Let me know who you are by simply raising your hands. On the count of three, one, two, three. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Faithful are you, God. Anyone else that wants to be the best that they can be, because that is what God wants for you. All right. Well, I want to invite that one individual to repeat after me. God, actually, I'm going to invite the entire church to repeat this with me. God, I am a sinner, and I know that I need to be saved. I cannot rescue myself. And so, God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to live the life that I cannot live and to die the death that I should have died. Jesus, I acknowledge you as Lord and Savior of my life. I thank you for being for me and for investing in me to accomplish all that you have for me. I bless you. In your mighty name I pray, amen. Thank you, church. Love you guys so much. Appreciate you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.